Welcome to Revenue Champions, I'm Alice. And I'm John. We interview leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs in the B2B space. Giving you the inside tips, tricks, and hacks for you to grow and scale your B2B business today. Hello, welcome to episode 13 of Revenue Champions. Today I'm joined with Declan and he is an ABM champion and CMO at Strategic ABM. We're going to be chatting today about is ABM just good B2B marketing, one of my favourite topics. So welcome Declan, it'd be great if you could just give everyone an introduction to yourself and to what Strategic ABM do. Um, keys in the name, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hi, Alice. Uh, thanks for having me on. Delighted to uh, to be part of um, of your podcast and and the series. Yeah, Declan Mulkeen. I'm the CMO of Strategic ABM. We're an ABM agency. Uh, we specialize in in ABM services, account based marketing services to B two B technology brands across the globe. Obviously, ABM is quite a hot topic for many companies at the moment. So we're keen to. Uh, to kind of help people to understand a little bit more about the subject and um, and be here to answer any questions that come afterwards, really. Amazing. I guess that kicks off really nicely into when we're talking about understanding the topic. And I really wanted to kind of go under the hood today of ABM, what it is, what it's not, what it, in a very practical sense, what we mean when we say that we're doing ABM. So I guess if we can just kick it off with what your definition of what ABM is and what it is not, that would be great. Well, I mean, there's, there's lots of definitions out there, as you know, and lots of debate going on in the LinkedIn world and elsewhere about what ABM is and what it's not and when it's suitable and what it's not suitable for. But I think if you go back to the pure definition, which obviously dates back to practically 20 years ago now, uh, back to 2003, 2004, I mean, ABM in its purest sense, it's a, it's a strategy it's not a tactic. It's a strategy that treats an account or a cluster of accounts as a market of one. That is the, probably the purest definition. And obviously, since you know the last few years, in particular with the rise of different technology platforms and different ABM platforms, that is changing somewhat. At least the interpretation of that is changing. But you know, here at Strategic ABM, our our, our definition, how we talk to our clients about it, is, is that we are looking to help you look at one account or a group of accounts that have similarities, be they similar business challenges, they belong to the same vertical, um, et cetera, as a market of one in their own right. Um, and I think just to add a little bit more to that, ABM as a strategy is, is a highly personalized strategy uh, where you harness technology, you harness data, you harness insights, and then you build a, a unique um, account experience um, in order to develop relationships, in order to to build relay, um, reputation rather, and ultimately to drive revenue. That is probably how I would define it. That's great. Thank you. And then I guess like the next part of this is like, who is it a good fit for and who is it not a good fit for? Because obviously you can do one-to-one, one-to-many, one-to-few, um, and it kind of opens up a world of, okay, well, you know, who should be doing ABM and who should actually not worry so much about it? I just carry, you know, carry on with the more demand generation activities that they're focused on. It'd be good to hear your thoughts on, yeah, who is it a fit for? Yeah. Um, okay. So from our point of view, ABM is a good fit if certain criteria are met. And those criteria are, for example, number one, you're selling a high value or a complex solution into B2B enterprise, uh, mid-market B2B enterprise. That's number one. The sale that you have and the product or solution that you have has a long sales cycle. So it's not, you know, it's not somebody clicks on your website and they download 10, 10 licenses. 
Um, it's not a kind of classic kind of early starter SaaS um, type model. So number one is you're selling high value, complex solutions into mid market and enterprise. You have a long sales cycle. You are reaching a level of maturity in your marketing and sales that you're actually able to take on what can be quite a, a resource heavy um, marketing strategy really so you've got to have some people in the business or you have to outsource to an agency like ourselves this type of program and then I think finally that you are looking to target people within an organization that goes across several departments so typically if you are selling a, a high value item into an organization be it you know a complex software solution or a cloud infrastructure or cybersecurity, etc in you know undoubtedly you're going to be talking to many people in the organization within you know the IT team within the procurement team very often in the c suite up to the ceo so you need to be able to influence a multiple group of people what we tend to call like a buying committee so that those are the kind of the criteria where we think that abm is a very good fit conversely where you where we think it isn't a good fit is is if, if particularly for the saas businesses if you're still at that kind of product market fit stage, you're not ready for you're not ready for ABM. You should still work on your brand. You should still work on inbound marketing, work on some demand gen, etc. ABM isn't a good fit for those companies that are still at the kind of product market fit stage. Um, if you have a low average deal value, now typically we we would say to our you know any kind of prospective client that would come to talk to us about ABM, we would say typically the minimum order value or annual recurring revenue you're looking for is probably forty fifty thousand pounds, fifty sixty thousand dollars is what you're looking for really. Anything below there, ABM is probably not the best fit for you because of the the level of investment resources uh, financial that you need to actually put into these programs. I mean, obviously, if you're not targeting mid market and enterprise accounts. ABM is not really the best strategy for you. And, and finally, if you don't really have, if your organization is much more of a sales organization and you don't really yet have that marketing function properly defined, that's normally a, 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 an alarm bell for us. Uh, when we talk to clients and they don't really have a good marketing infrastructure that is actually able to support and to, to run these kind of ABM programs, that's normally an, an alarm bell for us. Thank you. That's like super clear. I think that's really helpful. And actually that deal size point, I think is very valuable and will help people define whether that's like they need to pursue or not. Because yeah, there's a lot of chatter about it. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, we're doing ABM or we should do ABM, but actually they're not really doing ABM. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, no, I always think it's a little bit like yoga. Now, people might think, how is ABM similar to yoga? And I've, my wife is a, a yoga instructor, <laughs> instructor rather. And, um, you know, you see every single gym gym and every single kind of fitness center offers yoga. But actually what they're offering is, is a way for people to sit on the floor and, and contort themselves. But that isn't really yoga. And I think it's the same thing with ABM. If that It's it, the explosion over the course of the last five, six, seven years has meant that many, many companies have, um, both, from both sides, from the technology side, from the agency side, and of e equally from client side, have, have, you know, kind of launched themselves into the ABM world. And, you know, very often we speak to prospects and, and talk to the wider community and we say, you know, they say, oh, well, we're doing some ABM. And we say, well, what, you know, what are you doing? And they say, well, I'm running some LinkedIn ads. And, and that's, that's their definition of ABM. 
or they say, yeah, we do ABM and we ask a little bit, you know, deeper and ask some more questions, you know, tell us a little bit more about your ABM program. And they say, well, we're running direct mail. And th- those are tactics that can form part of an ABM strategy, but they're just tactics. And, and I think what's happening is people are, um, are grappling with the concept of ABM and trying to understand it. And, and, and they're picking certain elements that can often form part of a wider ABM strategy, but I think they're missing the kind of much deeper and bigger picture that ABM for us and for, and for our clients is very much, it's a strategic pivot for the whole organization. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes back to this whole point of like, some people, this, is ABM just good B2B marketing? Well, it's not, but because it depends what, like if you're actually doing ABM proper, but people are more aware of how we should be marketing regardless of like, you know, if your deal size is under 40K and look more personalization, looking at accounts and focusing your targeting better and multi-channel and all of that. And so they think they're doing ABM, but they're actually just doing better B2B marketing, which is a good thing, but yeah, it is different. It is. I mean, of course, it's, it's it absolutely nice. And, um, and you talk an awful lot about this and you share some great examples of some of the work that, um, that Cognizant have been doing. And, um, but I think ABM is, I think the difference between B2B demand gen and ABM is that you can do B2B, the marketing team can do great demand gen almost on their own. But ABM requires many actors to be involved. If you, you kind of use the kind of acting kind of analogy, there are many, many roles and there are starring roles, there are supporting roles, there are, there's a director, there's, there's, a, there's so many roles involved and it, and it touches many, many parts of an organization. And in fact, you know, the movement now from ABM through to what some people define as, you know, account-based experience or account-based um, engagement or, you know, what we often refer to as account-based everything. That is when you see it actually um, being much more pervasive um, and penetrating the entire organization. And that actually brings us nicely onto like the next question, I guess, because when you talk about it, you know, and then it sounds like this massive thing and it's like, ah, how would you even start? Where do you like begin? If ABM is right for you, we're kind of covered if it will be. So yeah, if it is, then carry on listening. If not, maybe go tune into one of the other, the other um, podcasts or keep listening if you're interested. But yeah, when you start running ABM with a client, because, you know, we've touched on how involved it is, not just from, you know, the tactics that you're going to be executing, the technology behind it, but also the number of stakeholders who are involved internally. Like, how does that work? How can you like get it started as a pilot running within a, an organization's business? And how long does that typically take? And like in a very practical way, like what are the steps that you go through? Yeah, well, I think what we, you know, the advice we say to everyone is to start small and, and very often try to avoid, you know, the kind of classic, your, you know, kind of your eyes are bigger than your stomach in terms of what you're able to actually consume. Very often we say to clients that the, the, the best way to move forward with an ABM program and an ABM strategy is to select a very limited number of accounts to go into that. And, but there's, there's two ways that we, we kind of work typically with clients is that if they are working in a, you know, a certain vertical, a certain market, a, 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 a certain industry, then obviously we can, we can run, you know, as you mentioned earlier, there are obviously different types of ABM programs in terms of, you know, one to many, one to few and one to one. And it might be useful actually just to answer that question first. And then that will help us to actually explain to people, you know, what perhaps is the best type of program. But, you know, obviously one to many is typically when you're targeting, 
you know, a relatively large number of accounts, which can be in the dozens or hundreds. So, we, you know, you're even seeing thousands, but it's it's very light touch. And it's 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 basically trying to put a message into into accounts looking to raise awareness and to raise brand. But you're not looking to generate, you know, particular high levels of activity in terms of leads and in terms of anything more than that. When you take then a select number of accounts and run them into a one to few, one to few, typically the way that we run it would be we take, you know, every quarter 15 accounts that warrant that extra level of investment. And that's when we do personalization. And obviously one of the key elements of, of ABM is personalization. And we typically personalize to that vertical, to that account, around about 15 to 20%. So whereas the one-to-many is much more around the value proposition and what that value proposition means to that to that vertical or to that business challenge, the one-to-few is when you're personalizing much more to the individual account, to the, to the level of, of 10, 15, 20%, just so that account is seeing something which is, is relevant to them. And, and, and I think that's, and obviously then one-to-one is when you're going for full-scale personalization, but that is a far, far, far more advanced play. And it's something that we, at the outset, we would not recommend clients to engage in. We'd recommend that clients start with what we typically call a blended Abraham program, where you're combining a one-to-many, always-on um, campaign into that vertical into that um, that group of accounts, looking to raise awareness about your brand, looking to raise awareness about the business challenge that you're able to solve, and then you you choose um, a, a number of accounts from that total addressable market that you've able, been able to build up of around about 15 per quarter, and you run a one to few program into those specifically into that account, specifically into the buying committee that you can identify within that account, and then you're starting to drive a lot more engagement intent and and looking for those what we kind of call sales triggers looking for when they are exhibiting some level of intent some level of engagement with your brand some level of engagement with with the content that you're pushing out there and then you can bring together your your marketing team your sales team your your outreach and building that kind of cadence of engagement with the account and on a from a marketing perspective i'm just interested to kind of hear your thoughts on this so you know a company a company may well be have split up their territories into segments that they still do like an SMB piece, but they're also going up market and they're sort of dipping their toe. Well, they're starting out with ABM. How do you recommend they go about that? Do they, should they segment like members of the marketing team? They should have like one person specifically looking after ABM who specializes in ABM. Do you see it as like the whole marketing team becoming involved? How, how do you typically see it work well and get structured in a marketing team? Yeah, well, we have obviously clients where, I mean, typically how we work with clients is they will come to us um, for one of two reasons. They either have a knowledge issue and or they have a resource issue. So when a client comes to us and have a knowledge issue, that's where we obviously with our ABM expertise and and experience, we can obviously help um, that team to become better at ABM. And that's obviously whether we provide consultancy, that's whether we, we, we help them with their account selection, we help them with their ICP, their ideal customer profile identification, we help them with their development of, of insights into the industry they're looking to target, the, the client they're looking to target, etc. So there's obviously, and I can talk through that at a later stage, perhaps in the interview, where the, the, the various stages of the ABM journey. And, and also we have clients obviously who come to us and they have a resource issue. And the resource issue is, 
alluding to, 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 the, to the question that you've asked there, Alice, is they may not have people who actually can can actually deliver the service or parts of the service. And, and, and obviously I mentioned earlier that ABM, it's a resource heavy um, strategy in terms of all the moving parts. We often refer to, you know, as, as there is a lot of orchestration to be done. Now, clients, depending on their marketing department and the, the wider marketing team that they have there from brand to content to marketing operations, very often what we find is that we will have a group of individuals in the marketing team that we work with, but they're able to pull on different parts of the marketing organization, whether it's you know design teams, whether it's their operations teams, whether it's their content marketing teams. So very often they're able to pull from within their wider organization to actually help to orchestrate those various elements. So we, we see different ways actually that clients can answer that question around ABM. But typically what, what we see evolving actually um, with, with the clients that we work with is very often, you know, they may not have anybody who's an ABM specialist within the company, but over the course of working with ourselves, 12 months, 18 months, very often what happens is somebody becomes identified within the team that is working with us, that then becomes that ABM champion and ultimately then becomes that ABM manager or ABM director. And it's also almost like an evolution, actually, that happens very often within the marketing department that they, you know, they then go through training with ourselves. They may do some training with, you know, people like um, ITSMA, people like demand base, et cetera. And it's almost like it's almost like a, a schooling that they go through um, to get to that level of 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 expertise and, and ultimately it's a, it's a level of um of of domain you know authority really that makes a lot of sense i think the way i i think about it is that in the end it would work best if there was someone specialized and yes they can orchestrate within internally but they need to understand the ins and outs and be the person who's responsible yeah at the end of the day for the success mm. of it which um i guess brings me on to my next question, which is around the biggest mistakes you see companies make when they are doing ABM. So maybe they come to you and they've, they've had a go, they've had a stab, but um, not successful so far. Like what, what are those biggest mistakes um, that you're seeing companies making? Um, I think probably get, getting the foundations right, really. You know, we often talk about um, ABM being, you know, a journey. It's, um, it's a marathon and not a sprint. And so very often what people might do is they might rush some of the foundational elements of that journey because they need to desperately get to campaign. And obviously, you know, Alice, us, us marketeers, we're, we're always under pressure to get to campaign. We're always under pressure from the wider organization to get to, to get the um, to get results in as soon as possible to show that kind of moving the dial and the issue i think with abm is there is a fair amount of foundational work to be done first and that's that's one of the places where we see companies perhaps not getting abm right from the beginning so typically not working hard enough on the whole icp identification truly understanding who your ideal customer is and that is it's actually a collaborative approach where obviously marketing need, marketing need to work very, very closely with sales, but also ask some questions higher up in terms of looking for the wider, you know, forward thinking C-suite in terms of whether it's a CEO, COO, looking up, up there to say, you know, where are we heading with our clients? What kind of clients are we looking to um, to onboard? So that, that whole work around the ideal customer profile is one area we definitely see when we're looking to, you know, do due diligence on, 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 
prospective clients that we're looking to work with. That's one area that we dig deeper on. And obviously off the back of your ICP, once you have a clear idea of, you know, who is your ICP, in our case, you know, we're working with B2B technology brands um, that are selling into mid-market and enterprise, particularly in the, you know, in our case, into MarTech, into cyber, cyber tech, uh, fintech, etc. So we, we have a very clearly defined ICP and we've got a very, very clearly defined geographic um, locations as well in terms of the countries that we wish to work with. Very often linked to that is where we see companies um, perhaps uh, going wrong is, is actually then how they're selecting accounts. And, and very often when we talk to people, we say, you know, can we see, you know, your account selection and what your thought process has gone, you know, what thought process have you gone through? Very often there isn't enough thought process in terms of how the accounts have been selected. And sometimes it's, well, these have been handed down from above, or this is something the, account, the sales team have given us. Or to be honest, it's been cobbled together by a group of people and it's like a list of some really nice logos and we, we've got a feeling that these are interesting companies, but th- there isn't enough, you know, science, enough data behind some of the account selection. So we, we work really hard with clients on the whole account selection process in terms of building a total addressable market, working out which accounts within that total addressable market you should be going after based on, you know, quite a methodical tiering process. And then once you've done the tiering process, then you've got to prioritize those accounts. And once you've got your tiering in place and you've got your prioritization in place, you can then work out which type of ABM program is the right one to go after, be it, you know, one to few, one to many, one to one, et cetera. So those, I think those two elements in particular, the, the getting your ICP right, getting your account selection are the foundational ones. And then the classic one, particularly from an ABM point of view, is, and this is a question we, we ask on the, on the very first call that we have with any prospective clients is to, is to ask them around their relationship with sales. Ask them around, you know, w- w- where are they with their relationship from an alignment point of view? And obviously people talk about sales and marketing alignment. And very often it's, 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 a, it's a, uh, an expression that is, is mentioned, but it's actually not really truly um, held where are you? How closely are you working with your sales teams? And I think that is ABM, you know, I always say that ABM is good marketing without sales alignment. If you have that sales alignment, your ABM will succeed. And without it, it won't succeed or it won't at least be as effective. So very often when we have our discovery calls, we run lots of what we call kind of ABM lunch and learns where we bring, you know, marketing and sales teams together to talk about, you know, what they're trying to achieve. We try to make sure that sales is in from the very, very, very beginning, because if sales is in from the beginning, you're going to have a success. So I think those three things are definitely where I'd say companies should look very closely, their ICP, their account selection, and the degree of alignment with their sales, with their sales colleagues. I think that's actually a really interesting point, just back to the alignment on with sales and maybe talking a little bit from a personal um, experience perspective. Sometimes the issue can be the understanding point. So they think they know what ABM is and they have an idea of what they think ABM is, but it's not what ABM really, really is. So definitely need to send this podcast to a lot of them. But um, yeah, I guess, how do you tackle that internally if you're not using um, you know, an agency like yourselves where you're doing the lunch and learns, maybe it's, is it just like actually putting those on as a marketing team yourself to get everyone around that table and explain what ABM is, what it isn't and what we're trying to do? Like, what would be your tips for that? Yeah, well, I think part of the problem, obviously, is, you know, the, the obviously traditional 
you know, relationship between sales and marketing departments that can be quite siloed. You know, you know, sales is from Mars and marketing is from Venus or whichever planet you wish to choose each each department is from. And I think, you know, part and parcel of that with ABM, the term, the M for marketing is probably a little bit um, misleading, really, because obviously, you know, Bev Burgess, who's uh, vice president over at ITSMA, who coined the term ABM back in 2003, even she admits that perhaps, you know, in hindsight, she maybe should have called it something else rather than account-based marketing, because it is far wider. And as I mentioned earlier, it's a strategic pivot for an organization. So the way that we talk to to our clients, and we recommend that the marketing departments talk internally, is you, you actually talk about it's an account-based strategy. And when sales hear that, the language of sales is accounts. So the way that I always talk about ABM is account-based marketing is, is probably the greatest unifier that exists between sales and marketing because you are unifying around a group of, of, of named accounts. So once you actually bring that into a sales meeting and you tell sales, hey guys, we're going to help you work on these accounts and we're going to do everything in our power to, to get these accounts to move through um, the different deal stages and in, in order to, to, to obviously convert, um, to win, to grow or to retain those accounts that you're working on. That then makes sales, you know, prick up their ears, so to speak, and actually say, you know what, you guys are actually now finally speaking our language. You're no longer coming to us with MQLs and SQLs and all these other marketing acronyms that we've we've created over the years that have that haven't really done us any favors. And I think ABM is is for me that great unifier. So I th- I, I I would urge marketing leaders when they're talking to their sales colleagues to actually use the same language as sales use that would be my biggest um, piece of advice really yeah amazing and actually maybe as well it's just as simple as saying okay well what does abm mean for you sales leader and then you listen to them and then you can align together on what actually you know we're going out to achieve as well um that's great so um what skill sets do you see in marketers who are very good at executing abm like what are the skill sets that are required i mean we've touched on how involved this can get and obviously that it's not just a marketing play but marketing is going to be heavily involved in it um and typically there is a lot of technology involved and a lot of needing to understand the different like well funnels building up funnels offers personalization i mean there's a huge amount that goes into it so what what would you say some of these clients that you're working with the people who you've like evolutionized into that abm specialism role what do they look like like what are their what are their skill sets well, it's funny because that's a question that I ask. I, I, you know, as you know, I run a, a podcast series also called Let's Talk ABM. And Alice, you you were a guest last year on on that podcast, and it's a question I ask many ABMers who are running ABM programs. And I think the the consensus from ABM leaders and thought leaders, it, it, the first trait or characteristic is probably you have to be very curious, and by that I mean you've got to be constantly looking at your clients constantly looking at the market that they're operating in, constantly asking you questions about what is happening in that market and and almost get to know the client more than the client knows themselves. Because the, the campaigns that you need to run from an ABM point of view, you're looking to change perceptions. You're looking to, you know, penetrate accounts. You're looking to, you know, p- pursue major opportunities within those accounts. And so you're 
you know, an ABM team, whether it's, whether it's outsourced to an agency like ourselves or whether you're an ABM department within, within a client, you're, you're looking to know those clients even better than the sales team themselves to be able to actually know what will, what will reson, resonate, what value proposition is going to work, what type of account experience is going to make that impact what data you can pull upon in terms of the intent data you're seeing, your first-party data in your database, your second-party data in terms of people that are visiting your website, third-party data in terms of the, the, um, the intent data platforms that you're using to see what's actually happening in the market. So you've got to be incredibly curious to know what's going on and ask an awful lot of questions to actually find out you know, what what can you do to move the dial? I think that's the number one trait, I would say. And I think the second one is you've got to have an awful lot of commercial acumen. And very often that is not necessarily a trait that is normally required of marketeers. Or, you know, we're normally asked to be, you know, great with good creatives. We're asked to be great with, you know, running campaigns, as you said. We're, not, we're asked to be great with many, many things. But normally... On, on the CV or on the LinkedIn job description of, of marketing um, professionals, it doesn't actually mention much about, hey, you need to have a commercial experience, you need to have been able to be involved in sales. And I think what we're seeing, because there's such a high level of sales engagement here and sales enablement, having some commercial acumen is definitely a huge advantage for ABMers. Um, and, and I think what we, you know, one of the things that we do an awful lot with our clients, and this is going back to your question about how to help marketing um, people work better with sales. You know, we go to an awful lot of um, expense and length to create, you know, account playbooks, which are actually designed for the salespeople to actually use to run their ABM campaigns from a sales point of view. So the marketing people in our teams that are, that are, are creating these account playbooks have to really understand sales because they have to understand sales messaging they have to understand sales outreach in terms of telephone calls uh, scripts in terms of um, sales messaging from emails in terms of sales messaging from social so having that commercial acumen i think those two things being incredibly curious and having a commercial acumen are, are probably the two top tips i would recommend really that's great and actually i guess i think we're moving to a world where regardless if you're looking to do abm as a marketer but you need to have that commercial side and be very aware. We're now looking, I mean, you should own a revenue target in marketing. I really strongly believe that. And if you don't, you should be trying to, because that's how you're going to end up getting a seat in the table, having more meaningful conversations with your leadership, being able to actually get crazy ideas across the line because you can back it up with data. Absolutely. Um, okay, great. So I, we're sort of running a little bit out of time, but I, I wanted to touch on uh, what sort of tech you're seeing at the moment that is must have like in an ABM setup for your clients um, and that's actually making a difference to their programs. I think there is so much technology out there and sometimes it's hard to see like the wood from the trees and know where you should be um, looking for things that actually make a meaningful impact on the programs that you're running. Well, the issue, Alice, I think you've just highlighted is, you know, there is too much technology out there. And I think, um, you know, Scott Brinker from HubSpot, obviously he creates that uh, infamous, uh, you know, that five, that amazing graphic, which, you know, there are now more than 5,000 different logos on it in terms of technology involved in the whole MarTech um, um, world. And I think, you know, one thing that we're definitely seeing is that um, very often 
people are leading with technology from an ABM strategy point of view, rather than leading with the strategy. So one of the things we very often, you know, say to to, to clients or, or prospects or, or just the wider the wider ABM community really, is we actually say what you should do actually is pair back on technology in the first instance. Think much more about the strategy first. Get that right. And then you can work out as a second um, level what technology you should be using and purchasing. And obviously, you know, the, prob- the problem is I was talking to one um, um, ABM recently and, and, and they had 20 different technology platforms that they were using on their ABM program. And, and, and they didn't even use half of them, but they were paying for, the, but they were paying for them and they weren't. And, and, and I think the problem is when you have too much technology, you're not really exploiting any of them properly. So, you know, I think every, every, every marketing department has got a CRM, whether it's Salesforce, whether it's Marketo, whether it's HubSpot, all of them now have some form of ABM um, side to them. Now, you know, we are, you know, HubSpot partners. We use HubSpot for our ABM programs. HubSpot over the course of the last 12 months has, has, has introduced a number of ABM um, modules into their CRM and, and we use those very, very effectively. That, so I would say, you know, look at your look at your CRM platform as the first point. Try not to go any further than that as, as the first portal call. Um, and then obviously, you know, a lot of those platforms use automation, do automation for you. Then, you know, I've talked an awful lot about intent and and, and intent has, has probably been one of the one of the greatest game changers for, you know, the wider marketing community and for ABM in particular. So, you know, trying to whether it's your first party intent your second party intent and then using a a, a platform for your intent data your third party rather intent data is great you know we we use uh, science which is quite a well-known intent data platform here in europe there are other ones out there from you know from bombora and sixth sense and the whole group of other companies out there that um, that use intent and then you've obviously got marketing automation platforms of which there are many 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 out there so i think it's a case of just taking what i would call probably you know um a kind of a crawl walk run approach so taking taking the technology a little bit you know with with an, uh, a degree of caution at the beginning and trying to trying to build build it up slowly is probably my best advice there yeah i think the key message is the technology is not the answer and it's actually getting the foundations right and then technology can mm. augment that and help you be more successful more efficient and run at a larger scale but yeah not to default to start with tech because it won't overcome the rest of the challenges yeah that's been so um it's been great to talk to you Declan I think we've definitely got under the hood of ABM and um some really clear insights into what it is who it's for what it's not and where people can start and yeah I definitely recommend if anyone's looking to do ABM and get going with it then Declan and his team are a great place to to go and then have that conversation so Thank you so much for your time and it's been great talking. Thanks, Alice. Thanks for today. All the best.